What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Frenzy podcast. My name is Ben Padalera, and I'm your host. I'm joined here, as always, by my very special co-hosts, Robert Armstrong and Tyler Master Marino. Boys, week 13, how are we doing? Playoffs time. It is playoffs time. We're excited. We're ready for it. And to all those following the Twitter account, you're welcome. Only one pick this week, but it was the lock of all locks. And I even tweeted the lock emoji next to it. Pats plus two. They end up winning 45 to nothing. Pats are back, baby. Love it. Yeah, great. You redeemed yourself this week. Um, So good for you. Um, Obviously, a lot of action this week. Um, including a Tuesday night game, two games on Monday, which is great to come home and just go right into a football game. I mean, I could get used to that every week. Going to start our show a little different today. Obviously, we usually do studs and duds, but at this point in the season, we're getting close to the playoffs, and uh, we decided it would be best to make fade or flex in that every episode thing moving forward just because, again, we're getting close to the playoffs. Um, kind of tough to predict studs or duds for the rest of the season, given that there's not much left in the fantasy season as playoffs start next week in most leagues. Um, so we'll do a fader flex, of course. As you remember from Thursday, I have three players here. Um, and you're, I'm going to have Rob and Tyler each share with me whether they would fade this player or use them for a flex position moving into the playoffs. Um, and then obviously give a brief description of why. First player I'm going to go here is, I mean, I feel like it's kind of an easy one, going to be Kiki Kuti. Um, obviously, Will Fuller leaves the team last week, so Kuti kind of steps into a you know, more prevalent role. Um, decent stat line this week, nine targets, eight receptions for 141 yards, no touchdown. Um, of course, did this against the you know fairly stout Indiana defense, or excuse me, Indianapolis defense. I don't know where that came from. Looking at their schedule moving forward, they have Chicago and Indianapolis again. So, Rob, I'll start with you here. Kiki Kuti, fade or flex into the playoffs? I'll go actually flex. I think I was kind of joking about him when we were talking about him last week as like kind of the next man up mentality. Uh Colts, good defense, and he put up that stat line against them. Like you said, I think, what was it? Eight receptions, 141 yards, no touchdown. Um, obviously, that's unrealistic, but it's not unrealistic to say he's going to get a touchdown the way Deshaun Watson's playing. It's, it's actually been very good. Like Deshaun's, as we Pats fans know, like that was kind of like Deshaun's re-coming out game this season um, against the Pats, and, and since then, he's been on fire. So Bears, tough, tough defense, obviously, but then ends it with Colts and Bengals. So if you do make you know your playoff semifinals, and then championships usually week 16. Those are good matchups because we, we know we just did it against the Colts. Um, and then the one little wrinkle there is that Brandon Cook's left with a concussion, which is very Brandon Cook. So it might it, basically what I mean, like if Brandon Cook had all these concussions, could be more than one week. So you never know. Um, he would be the next man up. And I believe they have that other guy um, who I'd never heard of. He was He's 0% owned is Chad, Chad, Chad Hansen. Uh, so never really heard of him, but he could step into a role. So you know, Kiki Kuti is pretty much going to be the number one guy um, when he was really the number three guy going all season. So I, I'd say flex um, number one guy with a pass catcher like Deshaun Watson. I don't see really much downside. I think he'll have a pretty high floor with a lot of targets. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I agree with your analysis. Tyler, I'll go to you here. Kiki Kuti, fader flex into the fantasy playoffs. 
I'll go flex as well, but a very low-end flex. Like Rob had mentioned with the matchups, they're pretty scary in Chicago and Indianapolis. We already got the insight of what he can do against Indianapolis, which is nine catches for – or eight catches for 141 yards on nine targets, which is a good stat line. I think that's going to be tough to top against Indianapolis again this year. But right now he's the clear number two receiver going forward with Randall Cobb being injured. They don't have Kenny Stills anymore. So he's the number two guy right behind Cooks there. And he's he's a guy that works out of the slot a lot. And I could see him eating up a bunch of targets, getting a ton of catches. Definitely more valuable in PPR, which is what we're talking about here. He's a flex in PPR. And I had him as a uh, waiver wire pickup last week, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Deshaun Watson is just – he would be playing at an MVP caliber – if he had, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, the team was actually good. Everyone would be talking about him, even if the team had a winning record, because he is absolutely carrying this team. And Cooks and QT should benefit from Deshaun Watson's awesome play. So a flex here, but a low-end flex here, maybe a wide receiver three up until that finals matchup against Cincinnati. But I'll, I'm definitely willing to flex him. Yeah, I was going to I had him as a flex as well. I was going to make the point that you made Tyler just how Deshaun Watson is playing well. He's the number 2 guy. So, I mean, it just makes sense to use him as a flex. Um, but nothing more than that into the playoffs, of course. Next player up is going to be Mike Gesicki. Tyler, I'll go back to you here. Um, obviously a strong performance this week. He's had a couple strong performances earlier in the season. This week against Cincinnati, 11 targets. Nine receptions, eighty-one, or excuse me, eighty-eight yards. Did have a touchdown. Um, had a touchdown last week as well against the Jets. Moving forward, they have KC, New England, Las Vegas, and then Buffalo. Um, if you go to Week Seventeen, so you know, just given the tight end landscape um, this year, I know we've beat it to a pulp. But Tyler, uh, Mike Kosicki, fader flexing the playoffs. Oh, very close call, and I won't say flex necessarily but i will say you can start him as tight end for sure uh he's currently ranked number tight end seven in ppr scoring and that's inflated by a big week that he had last week nine catches 88 yards and a touchdown i think they're gonna need him if they want to stay in these games against casey and new england so i like his opportunity there and even against las vegas as well i know new england has been able to shut down tight ends this year but that's because they've kind of honed in on whoever the number one target for whatever team they're going to be playing is. I don't think they're going to key Mike Gesicki because I don't think he's that special of a player just yet. Um, He should be. He's So he's over 50% owned as well. So he's just out of like the waiver wire category. So, I mean, I won't say flex, but I am willing to start him at, at a tight end position. If you get what I'm saying, he's I, I see him finishing around right around that tight end 10 mark, making him a uh, tight end one on the season. And with the decent playoff matchups, I'm fine with starting him. All right, for sure. Rob, I'll go to you here. Mike Kosicki, uh, fader flex into the playoffs. I love Mike Kosicki from last year. Um, thought he was going to be really good. And he still obviously has been, like you said, um, tight end nine on the season. But I don't like the matchups that much. I think the Chiefs are the best matchup. So I would definitely have him as a streaming option for this week uh, against the Chiefs because the Chiefs defense not amazing against the tight end position. But the Patriots are the fourth-ranked defense against the tight end. And then the Raiders are the 11th-ranked defense, allowing 
around 6.8 and the Patriots around 5.1. So we have got a little bit different version of the Raiders as of recent. They've kind of been hit and miss, obviously barely beating the Jets, losing the week before badly. Uh, so it's been a little bit new look Raiders. So because they're the last game of the season for them, well, fantasy season for them, I'd monitor it and I, I, w- I would definitely be willing to switch my position on this to a flex instead of a fade if you know the Raiders continue with the form that they're in now. Um, however, if they do refine their form and, and start to be like the Raiders that they were basically all season up to this point, even you know beating the Chiefs and stuff and then playing the Chiefs again close, like if they can return to that form, I'm going to say fade. Um, but with, with the tight end position, he, you got to know he's still around there and, and he's one I, I like in streaming options. And, and like I said, outside of the Patriots, you could probably get away with starting against the uh, Raiders. Yeah, I had him as a, um, a flex. I think the point Tyler made was good. Obviously, tight ends aren't usually going to end up in your flex spot, so that was a good grab. But, um, <clears throat> you know, just considering this um, the situation with tight ends, I think it was fair to throw him in here. Uh, Rob, I'll come back to you here. And the last player I want to talk about is going to be T.Y. Hilton, obviously a big disappointment, you know, most of the so far, kind of revamped himself in the last couple weeks. He had uh, four receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown last week, week 12, week 13, um, 11 targets, eight uh, receptions, 110 yards and another touchdown. Um, Very nice schedule moving forward with the Raiders, Houston, Pittsburgh um, and Jacksonville. So Rob, T.Y. Hilton, fader flex into the uh, playoffs. Uh, I'll say flex because they need him to be, uh, cause you know, the, they're, they're in a weird spot. Uh, they have a good record. They could make the playoffs at eight and four. They should make the playoffs at eight and four at this point. Uh, schedule is, is, is friendly to them as well. Like they're all games that could win, even with the Steelers losing this week, basically they, the Colts could win out. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to, to see, say that the way their defense has been playing. So the, and then offensively, they're going to need him to be good. Jonathan Taylor actually stepped up a little bit this week. So that offense is moving um, in a better direction than it was at the start. And Philip Rivers, obviously a veteran quarterback. So I'll say flex. Um, I don't love, you know, the Steelers matchup in the championship. Uh, I guess if you're a championship team, there's most likely better options you have. Uh, however, if you know, if you snuck in the playoffs, you don't have a bye. The Raiders game is very good. I think the Raiders here are, are pretty low against uh, wide receivers. Yeah, they're like mid middle of the group. Um, allowing 35 points a game to wide receivers on uh, PPR. And then the obviously the Steelers are good, and, and the Texans are not not very good. They're, they're usually in shootouts um, quite a bit. So I will say flex. However, if you do make the championship, make sure, make sure your roster is kind of well-rounded, and, and hopefully you're not starting him in the championship game. Um, that, would, that, that means you probably had an injury at some point. But overall, I'll say, I'll say flex. All right, Tyler, I'll go to you here to wrap up. T.Y. Hilton, fader flex into the playoffs. I'll go flex, but I don't feel so confident about it. Um, if you can afford to not start him against the Raiders week 14 and see how he does there, I would do that. But I'm kind of taking the approach where he may be a boomer bust guy in the playoffs. He's looking healthy now. He had some health issues earlier this year. He missed the game against Baltimore. And past two games, he scored a touchdown in both of those, and those were both great matchups. But the good matchups do continue, like Robin mentioned. Even Pittsburgh D, they've been allowing plenty of points to wide receivers, and Bud Dupree is injured, so that hurts their pass rush. So I think there's good opportunity there. I really do think that in order to win these next games, they're going to need to put up points to win every single game. And Jonathan Taylor was effective, but I don't think that they're going to key in on the running game, and that's going to be that 
the way they're going to win games. They're going to have to do everything, to be honest. They're going to have to be well-rounded on the offense. They're going to have to run the ball well and throw the ball. T.Y. Hilton, we've seen him in the past. He's been a, a great fantasy wide receiver. Terrible start to the season this year. Maybe it was some health issues, but he's looking good the past two games. I'm prepared for the boomer bust. He could lose you a playoff game, but he could absolutely steal you one if you need him. If you're picking him off up off of waivers and slotting him right in your lineup, he might be able to steal you a win here or there. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I have him as a flex as well, especially when you look at someone like Michael Pittman Jr., who was you know, playing well through weeks 10, 11, um, and then kind of has fallen off since then, only two receptions, five receptions last week. Um, I know I had him at least at the top of my um, – waiver ads for that for those couple weeks um i mean the ball's got to be thrown to someone I, the ground game is good but it's inconsistent as to who's doing good like jonathan taylor finally went off this week i'm sure we'll dig into that um so i agree with both of your arguments i think he's definitely someone that could be flexed um given you know given depending on your roster and who we have for injuries or if there's any covid um covid listers as well um so that'll wrap up fader flex for this monday excuse me tuesday episode um now i want to dig into the game reviews obviously like we said a lot of good games this weekend some surprises um a double header monday and a game tonight going on right now we'll update you when we get to that point first game i want to look at is the saints at the falcons um saints travel to atlanta take this one on the road 21 to 16 Taysom Hill in for this game. Again, no Drew Brees dealing with the rib injuries. Um, Taysom Hill, 232 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Elvin Kamara, um, so went back to form in this game. 15 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Also went, I only went for two receptions and nine, uh, on nine yards. Michael Thomas, another big game. However, nine receptions on 105 yards. Um, Trey Quan Swift. Swift, excuse me, caught the receiving touchdown. For the Falcons, um, Matt Ryan, 273 yards and a touchdown. Nothing really to write about home um, on the running game. On the receiving end, however, Julio Jones does return, goes six receptions for 94 yards. Calvin Ridley with, I guess, the big day, five receptions and 108 yards. Um, Russell Gage did catch the only reception on the day, or excuse me, the only touchdown on the day. Um, Rob, kind of run me through this game. Are you surprised at all? Um, Julio Jones, obviously, back in the lineup. Um, so tell me what's on your mind. Uh, not really surprised. I mean, Julio, you know, coming back in, that's that's still a good day, obviously. I think he had – I mean, if you look at it, because of the extra reception in the PPR league, he had 15.4, um, and then Calvin had 15.8. So relatively sim- similar weeks there. And then, obviously, Russell Gage with the touchdown ends up having, like, a pretty similar week himself. So all three kind of in a similar league, which is never really good for fantasy. You'd rather one of them pop off. Um, but if if you have them spread out across the league, you get everyone happy in that situation. Um, and then on on the Saints side, Kamara, it was good to see Latavius Murray not like vulture him uh, as much this week. Obviously, Murray was just good last week as well. wasn't really fully vultures, but Kamara leading the rushes. The, the concerning thing still is that he is not getting involved in the passing game at all. Like you said, the two catches, um, which is really the big thing we said. He's been getting the same touches around the same yards as he has all season. This actually being one of the better ones and getting a touchdown um, on the ground. So. There's no concern, but with what Kamara was kind of pumping out for fantasy owners all season with the catching or with the receiving game, uh, that's still concerned. Drew Brees looks like he could return next week, given this that the Saints are 
a good position. I don't know if they rush him back. Taysom Hill has been serviceable, so with Kamara, it's just it's just as long as he can run, as long as they don't play a good run defense, then he'll he'll still get his points. Um, but I, I'd love to see him work more in the passing game. And then I think the biggest concern issue is the Falcons in that run game. You know, you have eight carries, five carries, eight carries across the board for Etho Smith, uh, Brian Hill, and Todd Gurley. I, I know at one point I think you had Ben had had Brian Hill when Todd Gurley was a little bit injured. Ito Smith comes kind of comes out of nowhere and gets some carries. Uh, so that that's just like a very volatile uh, running back room that I don't want to be any part of. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think, especially, you know, it's good to see Alvin Kamara get his, I guess, legs back, not really back on the receiving game. We'll see what they can do, especially with Drew Brees, probably do back in the next couple of weeks. Um, Saints will go to 10-2, and two, Falcons to 4-8. and eight. Next game I want to look at is the Browns at the Titans. Browns take this one 41-35 on the road. Really high-scoring game. Tyler, I know you're excited to talk about the Baker Mayfield roller coaster. Um, for him, 334 yards and four touchdowns. Jarvis Landry also threw a pass, and it was um, received, and he drew a roughing the passer call on that, which is kind of funny. Um, on the ground, Nick Chubb, 18 carries for 80 yards on the touchdown. Um, receiving Rashad Higgins, uh, six receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jarvis Landry also receiving touchdowns on the day. For the Titans, Ryan Tanhill, 389 yards and three touchdowns, did have an interception. Um, on the ground game, Derek Henry, of course, leading the way. 15 carries, 60 yards, not a great um, performance out of him, but definitely expect more moving forward given his great schedule. Corey Davis was the receiver to own in this game, though. 11 receptions, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Fantastic performance out of him. A.J. Brown, only four receptions on 87 yards, so, um, you know, respectful day. And Michael Pruitt also had the other receiving touchdown. So, Tyler, um, talk to me about your boy Mayfield and this game in general. I mean, obviously this is somewhat surprising given how the the Titans have been playing lately, but – I guess, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, so I mean, this game was absolutely, the Cleveland Browns absolutely dominated this game. I know the scoreline doesn't show that, 41-35. But the Cleveland Browns scored like six unanswered touchdowns, or sorry, six to one touchdowns. So they were up a billion to seven going into halftime, and they just kind of went in cruise control, let the Titans catch up, do whatever they wanted. It was all garbage time for the Titans outside of that first Corey Davis touchdown, which was in the second quarter after the Browns were already up 17 to nothing. So awesome for the Browns to show that they can play against these elite teams. I mean, no shock from the offense as well because Tennessee's defense is, is nothing good. But Baker Mayfield put on an absolute showing. Four touchdowns, over 300 yards. We know he can do it now. It's a matter of if he can keep it consistent. Even if he doesn't keep it consistent, there's enough value for Jarvis Landry to be startable in plus matchups here. Baker Mayfield should be able to at least move the ball, get a couple touchdowns here and there. He will throw more interceptions than he did this game. But Nick Chubb, it's just since he's come back from injury, he's been lights out. He's been so reliable. That's awesome. And Kareem Hunt, He's kind of touchdown reliant, uh, specifically this game. He had his touches. He had 14 rush attempts, only 33 yards. And then he still had more catches than Chubb, which that's where I think where that's where his value comes in. He's still very flexible. 
you can definitely flex him out in almost any matchup. So there's no no change in value there for Kareem Hunt. And then on the Tennessee side, I think we're going to see games like this where Corey Davis just out targets A.J. Brown, gets way more catches. I think uh, defenses should still see – or A.J. Brown should still see the defense's number one cornerback in, in every future game because he truly is the number one wide receiver on that team. And we're just going to see that. They're going to game plan to Corey Davis, and he could get fed targets. I still think A.J. Brown is the guy to own in that offense for pass catchers, and Derrick Henry's going to have a bounce-back game, so I'm not concerned. Sorry if I seem distracted. This game has been nuts so far. This Tuesday night game pretty wild. Ravens just got an interception, so that's about all I got to say for the Browns-Titans. Browns dominated. Titans made the score look good, but it was not a close game at all. No, I appreciate it. Um, Cleveland Browns will go to nine and three. Didn't think we'd be saying that last year. Definitely not the year before. Tennessee Titans will go to eight and four. Um, next game I want to dig into is the Lions at the Bears. Um, Lions take this one on the road, thirty-four to thirty. Matthew Stafford, four hundred two yards and three touchdowns. Nice day out of him. On the ground, Adrian Peterson leading the way, 16 carries on 57 yards and two touchdowns. Through the air, still no Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones will lead the pack with eight receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown. 84 yards for TJ Hawkinson, another good tight end performance out of him. And Quintez Cephas caught the other touchdown. For the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, 267 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery, I feel like he had a better game than this. Um, 17 carries, 72 yards. Did have two touchdowns on the ground. It just seemed like a really big day for him. Corderell Patterson also had one on the ground as well. Through the air, Allen Robinson, six receptions, 75 yards. You know, fairly average day, I guess. Um, Rob, for this game, tell me what your thoughts are. Are you surprised at all? You know, both teams going five and seven now. So um, what do you have? Yeah, this was like an ultimate collapse from the Bears. They had the game one, just cannot, you can do whatever you want, just don't throw a pick, and they throw a pick. Or not a pick, it was not a pick, but um, you, just, you, you just you can't end the game like that. Like They were up all game, uh, and for Detroit to win the way they did is, is tough, given what we saw with the Bears. What they st- Did they start off like 5-2? and two? Like They were 5-2 and two or something like that at one point. Uh-huh. Um, so just to see the Bears now, it's it's crazy. Like obviously we knew they weren't very good offensively, and Nick Foles was clearly not the answer for Trubisky. Um, but it's crazy that putting Trubisky back in actually makes their offense that little bit better than it, than it was before. Obviously, you know maybe worse defense in the Lions here, but uh, it, it's just a little bit different and, and something I kind of didn't expect. Obviously, Allen Robinson didn't have a very good day, but overall Trubisky had a, a fine day, finding you know twenty six targets, and it was kind of very spread out. I know Anthony Miller was pretty involved. Um, Cole Komet, who's someone I want to talk about later in the show, um, maybe around the waiver of time, uh, was very involved. Darnell Mooney had some cool catches. And then obviously Montgomery got involved in the passing game, which also I think that goes to help the, the day you're talking about how it felt like he had a better day, um, had some decent pass catches as well. Uh, and then on the Lions, AP just continues to be just touchdowns, 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 only 3.6 yards a carry on 16 carries, but you know finds two touchdowns in that. So great day for him. And then Marvin Jones Jr., um, like you said, with Galladay out, uh, it becomes big again uh, with eight catches, 116 yards. So, you know, TJ Hawkinson is, is really cementing himself as a, as a top-tier tight end to have. Uh, and I think I put in the group t- uh, message about Quint- Quintez Cephas, like if who had Quintez Cephas scoring this week. 
Uh, I, I've never heard of him until I, I randomly looked. And I was like, oh, I wonder who caught that and, and saw the name. So, you know, uh, surprising that the Bears let up 34 points. I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway. And then also surprising how far the Bears have fallen in about five weeks. Yes, I agree with you. <clears throat> I know somebody posted, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw a funny meme on um, social media somewhere about the Bears and how they started off so hot, and then it just has not gone well since then. So um, not good for me as an Allen Robinson owner, most weeks anyway, um, but we'll monitor them moving forward. Next game I want to dig into is the Bengals at the Dolphins. Dolphins take this one at home 19-7 for the Bengals. Brandon Allen still leading the backfield. Um, 153 yards and a touchdown. Giovanni Bernard leading um, on the ground, 12 carries for 30 yards. Through the air, Tyler Boyd, one reception, 72 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins did have 56 yards as well, but obviously they only scored seven points. Not a whole lot going on for their offense. On the other side of the ball, Tua's backing in. Um, started this game, 296 yards and a touchdown. Um, Mike Gesicki leading through the air, um, nine receptions, 88 yards and a touchdown as well. I know we talked about him already. Miles Gaskin rejoins the lineup, pretty respectful day. Um, 21 carries on 90 yards, also had two receptions for, uh, 51 yards. So, you know, really good return game from him. Tyler, run me through this game here. I mean, it kind of goes as you expected good performance out of the Miami defense from a fantasy standpoint. Um, they win this game at home. I mean, any, no real surprises here. Yeah, this was this is just a terribly boring fantasy game uh, for the Bengals side. I don't think they're going to be able to get much going against any team. The Dolphins are a good defense, but they're going to be so far out of these games with no Joe Burrow. And I think Giovanni Bernard is pretty close to uh, being unstartable. I mean, he hasn't really performed well. He had a couple good games when Nixon first went down, but Nothing to write home about since then, and managing only just over three fantasy points. That's that's unbearable for a starting running back. And I think with Mixon coming back, you got to be a little worried that he's going to put up the same numbers that Giovanni Bernard is if he does come back, because who knows if he's going to come back, if he's going to be fully healthy. We'll have to wait and see. I'm an owner of him. I don't think I'm going to start him the first week he's back, but I have the luxury of having a lot of other running backs on my team, a lot of people don't have that luxury. And for the Bengals pass catchers, I feel even more worried about them. Tyler Boyd saved you. He had this is his last best fantasy day that he'll have. That one catch is super worrisome. He just managed to break it for 72 yards and a touchdown. That's just one play. I don't feel confident starting him. Well, he got a fight, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason I knew that game happened. I, when you guys were talking, I was like, I don't remember what game they're even talking about. And then I remember the fight because that was about the only thing positive that happened in that game that was like worth watching. Positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, positive yeah, to just, watch. Just very boring altogether. So I'll go over T. Higgins as well. I don't think I'm going to start him in the future as well. He's a guy that I like for next season, but not this year. And I was a little worried about Miles Gaskin coming into this game. I thought that he they might ease him into the game, but right off the bat, 20-round rush attempts, plenty of yards to go with it. I'm all in on him. He's going to be a good RB2 option for people moving forward in the playoffs. And then Kasicki, we already talked about him, but it is great to see Tua kind of lean on the tight end this game, which he hasn't done in his first starts that he had this season. So I love love that value for Kasicki. This team is 
pretty good moving forward. They got some tough matchups, but I like this offense. Yeah, I agree. They're playing well. Defense playing well. Um, certainly not the Dolphins we're used to as Patriots fans. Next game I want to dig into is the Jaguars at the Vikings. Vikings take this one at home, 27-24. to 24. For the Jaguars, Mike Lennon, um, 280 yards and a touchdown. Did have two interceptions. Colin Johnson, four receptions and 66 yards. I know we talked about him last week, and then he led the uh, led the receiving core again. Um, on the ground, James Robinson, 18 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. Um, another solid outing for him. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, 305 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Justin Jefferson, nine receptions, 121 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen also added a touchdown on eight receptions for 75 yards. Um, and CJ Ham caught the third touchdown. Justin Jefferson just continuing to have a fantastic rookie year. On the ground, Dalvin Cook carried 32 times. That is crazy. Um, on 120 yards, no touchdowns, but um, you know, ton of volume for him there. Rob, talk me through this game. I mean, obviously we knew Dalvin Dalvin Cook something special. 32 carries is just crazy. Um, Amir Abdullah was the next closest with two. So. Actually, Kirk Cousins rushed it three times. So, I mean, obviously, you know, no question. He's getting all the volume. Um, you know, even a touchdown makes his week even that much better. But I think the big story is really the wide receiver core, especially Justin Jefferson, um, definitely competing for rookie of the year. So kind of talk to me about this game. Yeah, I think obviously it helps Alexander Madison went out with the concussion kind of, I think, the day before or the morning of of, of whatever that game was. I remember seeing it pretty late. Um, so that obviously helps because that was like the true backup and that was the guy who would actually come in and get, you know, maybe six or six, like games like this with 32 carries, Madison would probably have 10, 10 plus just because he's a, he's a very good, um, backup. So that helped obviously Amir Abdullah, not the same quality. So they didn't really t- rely on him too much, but yeah, no, the big story is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen obviously still having a good day as well. Um, and then obviously Dalvin Cook even getting more involved in the past game than he has kind of in the past. Um, not, I mean, he he has some long touchdowns, but overall, in terms of amount of receptions, um, he had nine targets. So that's what really what I mean. But yeah, no, this team like they're six and six, and there's still a path to the playoffs. From obviously, you know, when their defense lets up twenty four to Jacksonville, I don't know how involved they will be. But in a fantasy wise way, that's almost better because they're basically going to be behind or need to keep scoring in games to stay. Um, keep the games close. So they're not really going to go dominate games uh, at this point. So, you know, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, those are all like even like Kirk Cousins could be a good streaming option depending on matchups coming forward. Uh, it's just a very high powered offense for fantasy. Um, and it's very good to see that they can kind of continue up. And then as Justin Jefferson gets better, that's probably going to open up Adam Thielen more and more. Uh, and then for the Jags, you know, they're they're trying to tank. So they still give James Robinson some love, which is good for fantasy owners because James Robinson is one of one of those guys that's going to be on a lot of you know surprise championship teams, teams that were able to go get him on free agency early have definitely benefited. And I really don't see that stopping because regardless of if they're down, if they're up, they're like getting blown out. They still run the ball with him because they're tanking. They just really want to see like what they have in a running back um, that they can build around. So pretty good there for James Robinson. And then, you know, in the wide receiver core, there's, it's going to be hard to find any value there. Consistent value, I should say, with Mike Glennon at quarterback. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, for the Vikings, obviously, you know, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. You know, they're really high-powered. They're performing very well, and I think they do some good things um, down the line. Next game I want to look at is the Colts at the Texans. Colts take this one on the road, 26-20. to 20. 
Phillip Rivers, 285 yards and two touchdowns. Um, T.Y. Hilton, of course, we talked about him. Eight receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor actually caught the other touchdown on the day. Um, also led the backfield with 13 carries on 91 yards. Um, fairly quiet day out of the other running backs. Naheem Hines did have one rushing touchdown, but he only rushed six times. For the Texans, Deshaun Watson, 341 yards, no touchdown. We see David Johnson return to the backfield this week. He goes for 10 carries on 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, Deshaun Watson did also run in a touchdown. We talked about Kiki uh, Kiki Kuti as well, eight receptions, 141 yards. Chad Hansen also a very good day, five receptions on 101 yards. Um, Tyler, kind of walk me through this game. I know we've talked about Deshaun Watson, the ascent of the Texans, obviously, you know, a pretty stout Colts defense this week. Um, they can't pull out the win, so just run me through this game. Yeah, so I mean, I believe Jordan Wilkins got banged up in this game as well on the Indianapolis side of the ball, but this backfield, it it should be Jonathan Taylor's now, right? He had a good game. He even broke a receiving touchdown for a long touchdown. And I mean, what what do you guys think? It, it, is it officially his backfield, or are we still a little scared? I mean, I think it should have been three weeks ago, but yeah, I'm – I'm in. Their schedule's good. He played really well. Um, Naheem Hines took a double back seat, so that's my input, but I'll let Rob talk. I mean, I think it should be his in the rushing game. I, I still don't think they should go away from Naheem Hines in the uh, passing game. I, I view it more of they could develop a Patriots situation, which is not good for Jonathan Taylor. The Patriots usually don't have a very good rusher, but you know, you, you have like your, your go-to running back when you need to get chunk yards, and then and you have maybe a more dynamic guy in James White, aka Naheem Hines here, because he's shown his value catching it. So I don't, I don't, I think this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield in terms of rushing. Okay, okay, yeah. For me, I'm still being a little cautious, and I only want to label him as a low end wide receiver too, just because we've been fooled before. It's back, there's no reason for me not to think that it's his. I'm just worried. A little cautious there, and then passing game. T.Y. Hilton's back. Pittman still managed a decent day if you're looking to fire him up. I mean, not as good as T.Y. Hilton, I think. I've waited for this Philip Rivers-T.Y. Hilton connection. I thought it was going to be there early in the year, and it just, it just wasn't. So that's something that I want to wait and see, too, what's going what's gonna to unfold there. If they can continue this. Like I said, I'm, I would be willing to flex him, but I'm prepared for the worst and prepared for him to steal a game as well. And then... On the Texan side of the ball, we already went over QT and Watson. So just from the rushing standpoint, David Johnson managed a solid game as well. Didn't get a lot of carries, so only 10 rushes, over four yards of carry, and had the touchdown. So that's kind of what he's done all year. No like big yardage games. He's just saved every single day with a touchdown. And he should continue to do so because this offense is just producing Deshaun Watson a monster. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, they'll, I think they'll get some more wins moving forward. You know, they'll have David Johnson back and fully healthy. Uh, obviously, no Will Fuller, but their receiver core um, is good enough, and Deshaun Watson can make them great. So look forward to that. Next game I want to dig into um, Las Vegas Raiders at the New York Jets. Raiders take this one on the road in a heartbreak for Jets fans, 31 to 28. Um, what? They're happy. Oh yeah, Jeff. Jeff Sanders. They lose the first pick if they if they won this game. True. They're loving it. That's why yeah. they ran that play. I'll say heartbreak for Frank Gore then because he didn't want to go with a completely defeated season. Um, 
Anyways, for the Raiders, Derek Carr, 381 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner. Um, on the ground, Devontae Booker leading the way, 16 carries on 50 yards. Obviously, you know Josh Jacobs this week. Um, Derek Carr also ran out a touchdown. On the receiving day for Darren Waller, 13 receptions for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Um, by far the tight end one this week. Uh, Henry Ruggs also caught a touchdown on 84 yards. For the Jets, Sam Darnold, 186 yards on two touchdowns. Big story, though, Ty Johnson on the ground, 22 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. Great performance out of him. Sam Darnold also rushes one on the ground as well. Jamison Crowder through the air, five receptions, 47 yards and two touchdowns. Um, obviously a touchdown-dependent player there. Um, Rob, for this game, obviously, you know, the last play – ended in the Jets firing their defensive coordinator. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure other things led up to that, but the Jets had the game in the bag until then. So uh, share with me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise was Frank Gore only having one carry. Um, I think at one point we had him as like a potential waiver option just because, again, they're like a team like the Jaguars that are just going to continue to run it just because they know they're tanking and, and they'd rather just not go away from their game plan regardless. Did not see Ty Johnson coming up into the game plan. Obviously, I mean, he has 30 carries all season, and 22 of them came this week. So kind of a surprise there. Good game. I mean, I, I don't know if that's one to watch because, like, you know, the Raiders haven't been performing as well. So I'm not going to say, you know, go pick up Ty Johnson all of a sudden, but something to watch there as the, you know, as the season goes on um, with the Jets. But with the Raiders, you know, it's another tough week. Like, obviously, Waller had a good week. And if you had to start Ruggs, you, or if you thought you started Ruggs against the Jets, um, he ended up saving it with that long play, the 46-yard touchdown to win it. Um, but, you know, we know Josh Jacobs, obviously that's tough, but they just haven't looked good in the last two weeks, which I've said a few times already this podcast. But, you know, Derek Carr still has a fantastic fantasy day, but, like, they just haven't looked good. It is against the Jets. All of them should have had a fantastic fantasy day. Um, they should have won this comfortably. It shouldn't have come down to the Jets letting them win, essentially. I don't – I mean, you say they didn't, but, like, you never know with – especially younger guys in, in that secondary, if they like know they're building a future and they don't want Sam Darnold. Uh, so really, you know, tough game for the Raiders, even though there was fantasy value there. But yeah, the biggest surprise, I guess, is that we have a new running back in New York um, and Frank Gore maybe, maybe not won't live to see his son in the league with uh, him. So I don't know if this means the end of Frank Gore in New York. I wouldn't say that, but, you know, obviously Ty Johnson on the up moving forward. We'll definitely keep an eye on that situation. Next game I want to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, Giants at the Seahawks. Giants take this one on the road, 17-12. to Obviously, massive game for Giants fans. I think I can say that now, Rob, if I'm safe to say that. Definitely. They, um, they, think, that they think they're going to like win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Colt McCoy leading um, – as quarterback, 105 yards and one touchdown. Wayne Gallman leading the ground game, 16 carries on 135 yards. Touchdown did go to Alfred Morris, of course. Um, ghost of Alfred Morris still hanging around. Not much going on through the air. Evan Engram, four receptions on 32 yards. Golden Tate, four receptions on 30 yards. So, you know, not a ton going on. For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, 263 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson leading the backfield with 13 carries on 65 yards and no touchdowns. Um, again, through the air, DK Metcalf, five receptions on 80 yards. Tyler Lockett, six receptions on 63 yards. Chris Carson did get the only receiving touchdown of the day. Tyler, obviously for this game, very surprising. Um, great for the Giants to get this win on the road against the mighty Seahawks. So share with me your thoughts on this game. 
Yeah, to me, the big story on the Giants side is Wayne Gallman. I mean, nobody did anything outside of Wayne Gallman and then Alfred Moore stealing his touchdowns. This guy is playing at an elite level right now on a team that's not very good. I mean, if you're the Seahawks, you got to assume going into this game, they're not going to be able to pass the ball. They got Colt McCoy at quarterback, and he only throws for 100 yards and one touchdown against this terrible Seattle uh, Seahawks secondary. And Seahawks have been pretty mediocre on the run. So this is just a big boost for Wayne Gallman's value. We thought the Giants would have got blown out in this game. Wayne Gallman would have had next to no value. And here he, here he goes. He's, he's the star of the game. This is his backfield now, I think. Whoever comes in, whoever comes back healthy for the Giants, shouldn't matter. But I'm not the coach. I do believe Wayne Gallman will be a very usable option in fantasy playoffs. And then on the Seattle side, Russell Wilson needs to pick it up. That's that's an unacceptable performance against a Giants team who is playing better. Their defense hasn't really been a huge issue this season, but they haven't been the reason why they're winning games. He went from being an MVP caliber quarterback to struggling against the Giants. 12 points isn't going to cut it. Fantasy-wise, the wide receivers that you're starting still did pretty good, and Chris Carson gets the touchdown, so they all had decent fantasy days, but not those boom days that we're used to seeing where they can absolutely win you a match single-handedly in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think this whole offense's value is is down now because Russell Wilson isn't playing at this elite level anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's kind of sad to say, especially with how they were playing earlier in the season, Russell, <clears throat> excuse me, Russell Wilson, obviously, you know, leading MVP discussions for a while. DK Metcalf, just a monstrous second year. Um, so, you know, hopefully they can bounce back moving forward. We'll definitely watch that into the playoffs. Next game I want to look at is the Rams at the Cardinals. Rams take this one on the road, 38-28, to 28, another high-scoring affair here. Jared Goff, 351 yards and one touchdown. A um, lot going on in the ground game today. Cam Akers leading the way. Who saw that coming? 21 carries on 72 yards and a touchdown. Daryl Henderson also registering a touchdown on 49 yards, only three carries. Um, Malcolm Brown also carried three times for negative three yards, so you know nothing to write home for him about. Robert Woods, 10 receptions and 85 yards, leading the receiving core. Cooper Cup, not far behind with 73 yards. And then for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, 173 yards and three touchdowns. Um, obviously still, you know, in some capacity dealing with the AC joint. Kenyon Drake led the backfield with 10 carries on 49 yards and a touchdown. Um, on the receiving end, Dan Arnold was the one to own apparently this week. Two receptions for 61 yards, had two touchdowns. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously the big name here, eight receptions, 52 yards on a touchdown. So Rob, talk to me about this game. I mean, you'd feel like you'd expect a lot more work out of the running game here. And that just really wasn't the case aside from Kenyon Drake's one touchdown for the Cardinals, um, giving Kyler Murray's shoulder issue. Um, obviously it showed he only threw for 173 yards, given the Rams have a fairly strong defense, um, so kind of talk to me about your your thoughts around this game and, you know, what surprised you. Yeah, the Rams did a good job at making Kyler Murray have to throw, obviously holding him to only five carries for the 15 yards and then, you know, not letting anyone else really be good on the ground either. Uh, so they definitely made them throw a lot more. Obviously, you know, the Rams at halftime were up um, early, so 
that obviously helps too. You can't run as much if you're playing from behind, especially against a high-powered offense like the Rams. Uh, Rams did well. A- Acres, like you said, not. Uh, it- it's surprising it's not because like it's almost like New England at times where it's like a different running back each week. Uh, and then of course Daryl Henderson still had a vulture touchdown as well on three carries, getting one touchdown. Just just to, you know confuse a little bit more. If if Cam Akers just went off, you could say you know if they're ready to finally give the rookie like his his due and stuff like that and, and let it be his backfield. But you know Daryl Henderson quickly, steals Rob. One. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just a big run by Daryl Henderson. Yeah, it was a thirty-eight yard touchdown yes. run, so not necessarily a vulture. But yeah, like, no, no, but like you know, like anytime you know, get get the carries. He only had three carries, and he ended up with one touchdown. Is yeah. is more to me. It's always tough because then what that does is it maybe doesn't vulture it in the sense that you know, Cam Akers let him down the field and then he takes it, but it did it that that ends the drive technically right there, and there's no more value for anyone else. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it just, again, it just makes it a little bit more confusing. And then Malcolm Brown had three carries for negative three yards. So that's tough. Um, his long was one, uh, on the day. So, you know, they're, they're going to use multiple ones. I, I think it stays Cam Akers just cause he is the rookie, but it's, too, it's again, I'm not, I'm not trusting it enough. I'm not trusting the ability that they're going to be able to run the ball as a team 31 times. So I don't trust that, you know, the receivers are good. That's what you kind of expect at this point. Uh, unfortunately, no touchdowns for the big names. Higby's probably no longer looked at as a tight end option um, with Gerald Everett as, as there as well. The one thing I will say is that Dan Arnold was surprising because it was weird, actually, because I, when I went into the game, I was watching it. I was like, who is the Arizona tight end? I was having a conversation with Steve, actually, because we're talking about like you know teams that have two really good wide receivers and a tight end. Because we were wondering like, if Christian Kirk will have value next year if, say, Larry Fitz was to retire or something. Um, and I was like, I was trying to think like kind of like the Chiefs, who is the tight end there? And then of course Dan Arnold goes off for 61 yards and two touchdowns. So that that's it. I do again, I don't know if he's very ready to be owned because he only had two catches for two touchdowns. But you know, if they look to get him more involved, just monitor that maybe for next season. Because that is a good offense. Um, and there's good value there. But the Rams defense is very good and they showed it. So nothing much nothing much else to say on the the Cardinals side. Yeah, I agree. I think you covered it well, so you know we'll leave that there. Next game, I want to talk about our home ga- our hometown game: Patriots at the Chargers. Patriots, uh, Patriots take this one in a commanding fashion, forty-five to zero. Cam Newton six, only sixty-nine yards and one touchdown. Um, nice. Patriots to score forty-five points. Jared Stidham also threw a touchdown, which was great to see. Um, on the ground, Damian Harris led the way, 16 carries on 80 yards. Cam Newton did have two rushing touchdowns. Um, on the receiving end, Gunnar Olszewski, one reception for 38 yards and a touchdown, which was a really exciting one to watch. Um, Nikhil Harry, two receptions on 15 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, just points coming from all over the place for the Patriots. For the Chargers, Justin Herbert, 209 yards, obviously no touchdowns. Um, Austin Eckler, second game back, held to eight carries for 36 yards. Not much more going on the ground for him either. Four receptions on 32 yards. Keenan Allen um, kept quiet as well. Five receptions on 48 yards. Um, I'm trying to expand because obviously there's not much to talk about for the Chargers. They got shut out. But, Rob, for this game, I mean, you know, pound town for the Patriots. Well, I want to fl- <laughs> flash back to, I think it was two weeks ago when we had Steve Dennis from Titletown takes on the show. And Whoa. He- now we're just Jeez. throwing different podcast yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, <laughs> excuse, me. excuse me. Steve Dennis from the playoffs and politics podcast. 
when he said um, the Patriots are going to give us some playoff hopes and then break our hearts. Well, they're giving us playoff hopes so far, so we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, anyway, before I say something else incorrectly, I will let you talk about this game. I mean, special teams. That's about it. I, I, there's really no one to own. Like Cam Newton, uh, Cam Newton had a good week because he ran two in, but unless unless you had Gunnar Olszewski, I don't know if there's really anyone else to own uh, in that one. Uh, so, and then again, even on the Eckler had ha- end up salvaging it because he had four catches as well. So again, that's kind of good. But like, I feel like this it, for a forty-five-zero game, there's very little fantasy implications outside. You know, Cam Newton ran two in, and then there, the defense obviously had two touchdowns. Um. So I, I don't really know where else to go for there because fantasy implication-wise, there really wasn't much, and I think the Chargers will bounce back. And Keenan Allen will bounce back. I think the Pats' defense is back in full form right now. Bill Belichick does usually do good against these rookie QBs, but I'm excited for this Pats' defense moving forward and very scared to start any players against them. I think this kind of just shows what we've talked about all season, how – you should look at streamer options if you have Josh Allen because they're playing the Patriots. Josh Allen struggles against the Patriots, and I think that goes for Stephon Diggs as well. They, I think Keenan Allen's a better receiver than Stephon Diggs, and they pretty much shut him down because it was all garbage yards that he got. Nothing was relevant to the game. I'm scared to start anybody against the Patriots, and on the Patriots' side, I'd only start like Cam Newton and Damian Harris in good matchups. Yeah, I think that's fair. I like the little tag team we did there. Um, <clears throat> next game I want to dig into is the Eagles at the Packers. Packers take this one at home, 30-16. to 16. For the Eagles, Carson Wentz, um, 79 yards, no touchdowns. We all then saw Jalen Hurts come in for 109 yards and one touchdown. Seems as though he's been named the starter for Week 14, so that'll be really exciting to watch. On the ground, uh, Miles Sanders led the way with 10 carries on 31 yards, no touchdowns down the board there. Greg Ward, the only receiving touchdown on the day. Um, For the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, 295 yards and three touchdowns. Devontae Adams leading the way there, of course, with 10 receptions on 121 yards and two touchdowns. That guy just never stops. Um, Robert Tunyon also had a receiving touchdown as well. On the ground, Aaron Jones, very nice day, 15 carries on 132 yards and one touchdown. That was for like 70 yards or something, 77 yards. So obviously a big chunk of his production came on that one play. But um, nice stat line on the day nonetheless. Tyler, run me through this game here. I mean, kind of how you'd expect the Eagles aren't playing well. The Packers you know, are always going to play well at home. Um, so what do you have to say about this game? Yeah, nothing to write home about on the Eagles side of the ball. Uh, Miles Sanders had a tough day today. I was hoping for a way better day against the Green Bay Packers run defense that just gave up a ton of fantasy points to David Montgomery. But he's he's a guy I'm a little worried about. I think this offense should get a little boost with Jalen Hurts. They're probably going to start taking more chances and kind of accept the fact that they're going to be a losing team. And at this point, anything's an upgrade from how Carson Wentz has been playing lately. I think Carson Wentz is more talented, but he's just been brutal lately. So anything to get a little change of pace for this offense could help. And I think Goddard and Ertz are still startable tight ends just because of the tight end landscape. But then outside of that, I'm not looking at any wide receivers and would only consider starting Miles Sanders in good matchups. And I still don't feel great about that. He's moved way down on my 
running back rankings, probably a low-end RB2, almost a flex play now just because I'm worried about him. And I also think that he stinks. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, and we knew on, that. Go yeah, ahead. And on, on the Green Bay side of the ball, Devon Adams is a star. It's the, the big three. We're talking about him again. Adams, Jones, Rogers, they're all awesome. I At this point, I think they are very, very close to matchup proof. They're as matchup proof as anybody else's in the league besides maybe Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. I think they're a step right below those guys. And Aaron Jones did save the day with that long touchdown. He still hasn't had like an amazing day outside of that one play since he's come back from injury. But I, I do think he's been improving. He's got the majority of the carries. Jamal Williams only had five carries. So it's his backfield. Al Lazard got a little bit involved in the passing game as well. Still not looking to start him. More of a deep stash. Great option. We saw him boom when Devontae Adams was out. So if you are an Adams owner, he's pretty much a handcuff wide receiver, which is weird to say, but that's that's what he is. And Tanyan is a startable tight end again with Aaron Rodgers playing lights out. I'm all in on this Packers offense. Love the way their future looks. Yeah, I agree, <clears throat> especially with uh, Aaron Rodgers still playing at an elite level. Um, definitely fun to watch. Next game I want to look at is the Broncos at the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs take this one at home at Arrowhead, 22-16. to 16. For the Broncos, Drew Locke, 151 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Melvin Gordon leading the ground game with 15 carries on 131 yards. Very nice game for him. On the receiving end, Tim Patrick was the wide receiver to own four receptions on 44 yards and two touchdowns. Um, outside of that, Noah Fant also had four receptions on 57 yards. Um, no one else to really talk about outside of that. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 318 yards and one touchdown. Um, very good game for him again. Travis Kelsey, eight receptions, 136 yards and one touchdown. Um and then Tyree Kill, six receptions, uh, 58 yards. So definitely a regression game for him from last week, as I mean, as you'd expect. That was just unreal. But, Rob, for this game, um, for me, I was a little surprised that the Chiefs didn't score more. Um, of course, they won. But, um, you know, the Broncos seemed to throw a stand on defense a little bit. So walk me through this game. Yeah, I, I do think the Broncos, like, have the talent to, like, compete with these teams. They're just missing, like, a few pieces. So... Uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how close the game was overall as well. Uh, and, and like you said, the Chiefs not scoring. Like uh, Le'Veon Bell having 11 carries for 40 rushes, uh, not great from him. Obviously, like a chance for him to like show that he still kind of has it. Um, what he had didn't do very well uh, with that. Um, obviously, like you said, it was closer though. So you know, Stat Mahomes is going to come out whenever he can. So if it's close, they're going to throw it. Um, and then Kelsey, obviously, having just uh, one of the best seasons of all time. Uh, continues to have that with fantasy week. Uh, Tyree Kill still gets still, still gets decent points. Obviously, doesn't find the end zone. Nothing like it was last week, but still clearly, you know, the number one guy because no one else really did anything um, for the receiving core. And then yeah, on the Broncos side, like Melvin Gordon, that was huge from him. Drew Lock is back. Uh, wasn't great. Was was decent. Wasn't great. Um, and then like you said, Tim Patrick was the guy. That's something to monitor as well with Tim Patrick. And then. Noah Fant kind of having the game I kind of expect from him week in and week out. Hopefully he adds a touchdown to that to get a little more value, but you kind of expect four catches for 57 yards. Um, and that and that's what we always talk about with like, you know, those mid-tier tight ends. That's a that's about what you're going to expect. But yeah, nothing really exciting fantasy-wise again from this game. Um, kind of an interesting game. You know, the Chiefs 
did what they needed to do. They're eleven and one. They now have kind of a road to being the number one seed because of the Steelers' loss. So I expect them to kind of keep ramping it up, which is good for fantasy. Is that that there's still pressure for them to kind of keep competing because this year the one seed is so important because of that buy. They're the only team that gets that buy. So good fantasy wise that the Chiefs are going to have to keep padding Patrick Mahomes' stats every week so they can keep winning. Yeah, I agree. That's why we call him Stat Mahomes. Um, so I think that definitely fits the molding there. Next game we want to talk about, probably the surprising game of the week, Washington football team at the Steelers. Football team takes this one 23-17 and ends the undefeated season. Um, Alex Smith, 296 yards and one touchdown, just continues to be fantastic in his return to football. Very exciting to watch. Peyton Barber leads the ground game, 14 carries on 23 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, Antonio Gibson um, leaves the game with an injury. Definitely concerning for him, especially at this point in the season, so we'll we'll monitor that for sure. Logan Thomas had a very good day yesterday for a tight end, nine receptions, 98 yards and a touchdown. Cam Sims as well looked pretty good with five receptions on 92 yards. For the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, 305 yards and two touchdowns. Um, one to James Washington and one to Deontay Johnson. I want to talk about Deontay Johnson, though. He had eight receptions at 71 yards, but he had a few drops, and it's kind of concerning his drop rate the past few weeks. I think he's up to like nine drops this season, which has got to be up there like for worst in the league or most in the league, I guess. So definitely concerning, but his volume is just you know making him a starter on a weekly basis. So, Tyler, for this game, um, walk me through. Obviously, the Steelers no longer undefeated. Um, could be good though, get that first loss out of the way. So then the pressure's off and they can just steamroll through the playoffs. So tell me what your thoughts are for this game. Yeah. And I'll start with the Steelers side of the ball with no James Conner here. They just couldn't get anything going on the ground. I think that speaks more to, uh, Washington's defense. They're a pretty well-rounded defense. Then on the passing side, I know you want to talk about your boy, Deontay Johnson. You're in love with him. Of course. Definitely. He is. He's producing the best. He's been the most reliable out of these Steelers wide receivers. He had one more catch than Juju Smith-Schuster, but just under 50 more yards, so like 40, 45 more yards right around there. And only one more catch. Juju had seven catches for 28 yards. That's <laughs> that's pretty bad. That He's got to do more with that. The Steelers should find ways to get Juju open some more. Claypool also not very involved in this game. They took a couple shots at him, tried to get him because he's been winning a lot of one-on-one catches, but Washington D shut him down as well for only two catches on 38 yards. I'm not worried about Washington. That was just kind of, they throw him in a couple plays here and there. He's not really eating to the, the, the main three of Deontay Johnson, Juju, and Claypool. Even with all the drops Deontay Johnson's having, he still managed eight catches in this game. He's getting fed the ball. I'm not that concerned about his fantasy value just because the sheer volume, and he still is producing even with these drops. He's been a pretty solid playmaker this year, so he's got a pretty good outlook for the rest of the season. And I know we have been harping on these tough matchups. This is one of the tough matchups for the Steelers wide receivers. He's still produced. I think it is going to be a fairly revolving door for these wide receivers. He Still is my favorite out of all these guys. I was big on Juju this year over him specifically, and that's totally flip-flopped. I think he's the better option there. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's the total opposite next game. Deontay Johnson gets two catches for 20 yards, and 
Juju or Claypool is the guy that manages over 100 yards and a touchdown. I'm just waiting for something like that to happen. And then on the Washington side of the ball, Gibson goes down pretty early in this game, which is tough to see. I may have jinxed him a little bit because I've been talking him up the past couple of weeks at how awesome he's been, how excited I am for him next year. So I apologize, Antonio Gibson. That's on me. Then yeah. Peyton Barber led the uh, he led the early rushes. He got the goal line carry, got the touchdown. But J.D. McKissick was a PPR monster this game. Ten catches for 70 yards. Alex Smith is a check down guy. He loves check down. He loves those short passes. So if Antonio Gibson misses any time, McKissick will be a great option in PPR formats. And he's he's absolutely startable in other formats as well, but just PPR is going to be awesome. And Logan Thomas is, should be on your tight end radar. Probably a guy we'll get later into in the uh, waiver wire column, but he's been pretty reliable this far, and he's got the capabilities to have a big game like this, just under 100 yards and a touchdown. For the wide receivers, I'm not interested in anybody besides Terry McLaurin. I feel like that was the Steelers' game plan, was to just shut down Terry McLaurin, and that's it. Doesn't matter. Just shut this guy down, we will win the game, and it didn't happen that way. They shut him down, and they lost. Terry McLaurin's the only receiver. He is the number one receiver on Washington. He's the only guy that should be owned on that team. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> obviously, tough to lose Antonio Gibson, like you said, um, but naturally you talked him up, so he got injured. Uh, should have seen that coming. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> I like your analysis there. Last game I want to talk about, Monday Night Football game. Saw the Bills at the San Francisco 49ers. Bills take this one on the road, 34-24. to Josh Allen looked great back to the way he kind of started the season here, 375 yards and four touchdowns. Um, Cole Beasley led the receiving core with nine receptions on 130 yards and one touchdown. Touchdowns each for Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Dawson Knox as well. Stephon Diggs did have 10 receptions on 92 yards. Decent stat line for him, but no touchdown. For the 49ers, Nick Mullins leading the way with 316 yards and three touchdowns. Did have two interceptions um, as well. Brandon Ayuk leading the receiving core with five receptions on 95 yards and a touchdown. Um, Jordan Reed receiving another touchdown as well. Um, Rob, for this game here, just kind of wrap it up for me. Um, the Bills, obviously, you know, kind of back to form here. Josh Allen specifically looked really good. Um, things to come for the playoffs for them, or do you think this was just a one-game pop against the struggling 49ers defense? No, because they're going to win the division. Um, so they'll definitely be able to make a little bit of a run in the playoffs, I think. Um, and Josh Allen is so tall. Uh, and so good that it, it, that they definitely have a chance. No, but he had an incredible game today against, you know, as banged up as they are, the 49ers defense has still been relatively solid this year. Um, obviously not at the best with Bosa out and everything, but they they haven't been looked as, they haven't got shelled as much as, as Josh Allen did this week with, with them, you know, 375 yards. 32 for 40, only eight, eight um, incompletions, which was amazing. Four touchdowns. Didn't have to use his legs at all. Outside of you know scrambling a little bit, but like didn't have to actually run. Singletary still couldn't get anything involved, and they're up the whole game. So I don't really know. Again, I just I don't like them in Singletary. I don't think he's very good, talented. He's he's pretty much exactly like Sony Michelle uh, on the Patriots. I just don't see any talent in them. So yeah, the rushing game's not there. Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs are you know a surprising surprisingly talented one-two uh, bunch there. You know Cole Beasley 
catches some of the most insane passes, and I don't know how he does it. Um, it it's just very fun to watch, and Diggs is in such an insane route runner. Um, and the way he had that guy, he broke that guy's ankles this week. So that was crazy to watch. And then, yeah, the, yeah you almost have a big two kind of developing in, in San Francisco as well, which is something they can build yeah. off of. I think next year, this is kind of over for San Francisco now. So they just have to look at next year. Do you keep Jimmy G? Um, because then you're going to have Kittle back, Ayuk there another year, Debo hopefully healthy all season. And then they have such a crazy like uh, running back worth three talented running backs. And then the best fullback in football with Jushik. So I think there's something to build off for the 49ers as well off this game. But if we're just talking fantasy, obviously Ayuk had, had a great uh, day and Debo backed it up again with, you know, nine targets, six catches and 73 yards. So back to back decent weeks for Debo off injury. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I agree on the bills, of course. I think they'll make a deep run. You know, they're going to win the division, you know, big shot in the arm for Patriots fans. Cause we're not used to not winning it. So good for them. Um, last game of the time since we were born, by the way, true. They won the division 1995, 25 years. Wow. Impressive. Um, last game of the week is currently being played right now. Just went to halftime. The Ravens are leading the Cowboys at home 17 to 10. Um, so we'll dig through that game in our Thursday episode that will obviously wrap up our game, uh, reviews from this past week. Uh, we want to move into our waiver wire portion of the week now. Um, I want to kind of do this a little differently as well. I think I'm just going to do well, – I don't think I – what I am going to do is I'm going to have us do two players each. can be any player, any position um, because I want to still leave room for our fade and flex on Thursday to have some players for that. Um, <clears throat> so, Rob, I'll start with you here, your first waiver wire ad for the week. I'll go kind of out, out of the blue because if we're only doing t- – to did not mean to rhyme there, but uh, Cole Komet, I, I mentioned him when I when I was covering the Bears game, but with Trubisky back, he's, he seems to like him a little bit. Jimmy Graham isn't really involved anymore. Tight end's position is so volatile, especially on the playoffs. If you're one of the playoff teams that doesn't have a locked up, you know, Hawkinson, Waller, Kelsey situation, like maybe those three, and then maybe Mark Andrews as well um, when he comes back. So if you don't have really one of the top names, I, I wouldn't mind a Cole Komet even being a flyer almost every single week. Um, just because you know the Bears have to throw it because they're not very good and they're going to be down. Uh, so I, I like Cole Komet as a tight end. Yeah, great pick there, Tyler. I'll go to you here next. Um, your first pickup of the week. Oh, and I like Cam Akers, but I went with him last week, so I'll go a different direction. I'll go Jets running back Ty Johnson, and this is a guy Frank Gore got a little banged up in this game, so I'm keeping an eye on him. What the status of that is, if it. Gore does have a significant injury and it misses a lot of time. Ty Johnson could be a great option. Um, Jets offense is finally getting going. They played good against the Raiders. Ty Johnson had 22 rushes, 104 yards, and a touchdown, plus two catches, which is great. Uh, he can produce in the air and on the ground as well. But to me, it's the fact that the Jets are tanking. It doesn't really matter how much they're down by. They're still going to run the ball because they just don't care. They could be down by 30, and Ty Johnson could finish with 20 carries. That's why I'm willing to pick him up and start him right away if you're desperate at running back. I agree. He was going to be my first pickup as well. I mean, he's only right around 1% owned, so obviously massive upside given all the reasons you said. Nobody mentioned him, so I guess I'll take him here. I'm going to go Kiki Kuti. Um, he's only around 20% owned um, in all leagues. Obviously, we've talked about him 
couple times during the show here today, so I don't need to really harp on it much more. I'm just giving the opportunity to Sean Watson. Um, I think he'd be a good pickup moving forward. Um, Tyler, I'll go right back to you here, your second pickup for the week. I'm going to go with Pat's defense and special teams. Uh, I personally dropped them in our league, and they're only 46% owned right now. They're the number seven ranked defense after that big showing, but I think the Pats defense is back in full form. They get the Rams, they get the Miami Dolphins, and they get the Buffalo Bills. They play all those teams just fine. They've had big days against all those teams, and I'm talking about the Super Bowl against the Rams. I think Bill Belichick has golf figured out. I'm excited for this game to see if the Rams can get anything going on the ground, specifically with Cam Akers. they got a couple of receivers they use in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but the Pats can cover multiple receivers. And look to see if they were dropped in your league under 50% owned. If they go back to that form they were in last season, they can steal you some, some wins, <clears throat> and they could be on some championship-winning teams. Yeah, I agree. Good pick up there. Rob, I'll go to you here. Your second pick up for the week. I'm going to go with Tim Patrick, another guy we talked about because he had two touchdowns this week. Um, he's not really the number one option, which is almost good. Uh, obviously, Jerry Judy maybe the bigger name just because he's, he's the star rookie um, that they pick. So that's almost better. I think it benefits Tim Patrick. Um, he's he's a little bit older, 27. Like, you know, being the secondary receiver sometimes helps. I think Drew Locke is going to try to ball out the rest of the season. Their season's over essentially at four and eight. Uh, so it's kind of over. But you know, he has a chance to prove himself because this is kind of make or break for him on whether he's the future of uh, Denver or not. So I think he's going to try to try to make things happen. And, and he does like Tim Patrick, obviously four targets this week for four catches, um, 44 yards and, and two touchdowns uh, sometimes goes missing. But, you know, the three games before last game, when he went missing, you know, eight targets, six targets, nine targets, there's definitely targets there. They're going to have to throw. Um they're good on the ground, but you know they're not going to be in games necessarily, and they have a pretty decent schedule with you know the Panthers next week, tough um, week fifteen matchup against the Bills, but then you have the Chargers to end it off in the championship. So there is value there in the playoffs for him. Um, so I'm just going to go with Tim Patrick. Yeah, I don't know why I always let myself go last because you guys always steal my players. He was going to be mine as well. I did have a backup here. Um, you know, kind of a name we've talked about on and off this season. It's Adrian Peterson. He is under fifty percent owned. He's only forty two percent owned. Um, obviously, with the DeAndre Swift injury um, still lingering, again, we talked about that a lot last week. Hopefully, he can over that because um, he's a really good player. But um, regardless, AP, two touchdowns in each of his last two games. Um, Green Bay and Tennessee coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, so should Swift miss more time, uh, Adrian Peterson is definitely somebody you can roll out. Um, and with that... That will be our waiver wire pickups for this week. That will also take us to the end of our episode here. Um, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we're winding down towards the fantasy playoffs here, um, which will start this this weekend, of course, uh, Thursday night. Excuse me. Wow, that's crazy to say. Um, so good luck. Uh, we look forward to getting back here on Thursday to talk about our review of tonight's game and our previews for the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Um, Thank you again, as always. Be sure to like and subscribe and um, leave us a comment if you're new. And until next time, we will see you on the next episode of the Fantasy Frenzy Podcast. See you. Peace out, fellas.